1: To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Yes! Danny's back! Oh, that disappoints me so much.
2: Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in.
0: Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three!
1: Hello, coming up on this week's It's All Cobblers to me, it's back to business as usual as the Cobblers succumb to two defeats in a row. Chessie gets so upset she contracts the norovirus, and Danny puts on his best Forest Green Rovers fan impression. I'm Charles and this week Danny has managed to escape the north and join me here at Podcast HQ.
2: How are you mate? Are you okay? I'm alright, I'm just recovering from that intro, I didn't realise... Keith Curl had such strong opinions on me but (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't resist I'm really sorry
1: I heard it and I literally went that's going in (laughs) love it Uh, wait until Neil's back next week from his honeymoon and he'll get the same treatment probably (laughs) (laughs) it's just going to run and run (laughs) and run so yeah you might have noticed Neil is still away Uh, well he's in America isn't he still lording it up on his honeymoon um, with Polly we're hoping that they're having fun and they're not uh, getting arrested for Know, trying to buy the NHS or anything like that, out of the spite. And Chessie is also not here this week because, unfortunately, as I did say in the intro, she is unwell. She did go to the Exeter game on Saturday, told us what she thought of it on WhatsApp, and, uh, and then went to bed and didn't get back up again pretty much all of the weekend. Uh, so it's just me and Danny this week. But I think you'll agree that that is far better than it was last week when it was just me. Danny, how are you? You've got no idea how happy I am that you're actually here.
2: You've got friends again. Yes. It's, it's, we'll slowly get the band get back together. Hopefully next week it'll be like the Take That reunion when we're all back together.
1: Back for good? Back for good.
2: i <laughs> <laughs> uh, not sure which one I am. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, Robbie Williams is definitely Neil.
1: Oh God, with that hair, yes, definitely.
2: <laughs> I'm Nicky Adams
0: and it's all cobblers to me.
1: It's all cobblers to me is free to listen to and always will be, but it isn't free to produce. We're always looking for sponsors. And if you do know a local business who may be interested in helping us out, then please do let us know. If you aren't a business though, and you still want to support the podcast, you can as we are now on Patreon. You can sign up to give as much or as little as you want for as long or as. You know, short as you want. In return, we'll add your name to our website, just like we have done this week with Craig Abbott. If you want to and you can afford it, then you can sign up as well at patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.
0: I'm Chris Freestone and it's all Cobblers to me.
1: Exeter City then, a football club owned solely by its fans, turned the screw on the Cobblers on Saturday as they inflicted defeat on us for the first time in seven league matches. Jesse was at St James's Park on Saturday and wasn't best pleased with what she saw from the away end. I think the words boring, shambles and even disgrace came up once or twice on our WhatsApp group. Oddly though, if you were listening to the game on the radio, it sounded a bit more entertaining, didn't it, Danny?
2: It did. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chelsea was not happy at all um, after the game, and I, I, it does make a difference. I think if you go to the game, and especially in a away game, if you've travelled quite a long way to get there, it, it does affect you a lot more. I think in terms of when you come away from the game, and on the radio, good old Tim Oglethorpe can make things sound a little bit more entertaining than they might actually be. It didn't. I mean, it didn't sound like we actually played awfully. It Just more sounded like we were beaten by the better team, and. Uh, I think it's fair enough in some ways I mean next tour are up there they're going to be up there they're not going anywhere in the promotion race are they you can tell they just had a little bit more about them than a lot of teams we played this season it's just one of those I think you've just got to put it away and get on with Forest green next week or another team going up there but we've got to battle them and sort of keep close to them I don't I don't necessarily think we did that I think I, f- I feel like it was the right result on Saturday by what I listened to and it's I don't, I don't want to I don't want to kind of draw many conclusions from it and I hope we can come back next week and put in a better performance and, and try and stay up there because it would be a waste of such good work yeah, if we did
1: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, listening to it, it sounded to me like we had the, the better of the first half, definitely. Possibly even came into it again in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the match. But... Obviously, that middle section, especially straight after half time, it just completely and utterly killed us, didn't it? Exeter, they just came out of the blocks, didn't they? Absolutely like a rocket. And I don't really know whether it was. A lack of concentration—that was the problem. Maybe we kind of felt that we were, I don't know, in this game, and it wasn't. You know, we were fairly equally matched, so there wasn't much more that we needed to do. Was it a little bit of complacency, maybe, after you know that that brilliant run of of what was it, eight nine games undefeated? Uh, I mean, what what do you put it down to? That that's my question.
2: Yeah, it's a strange one. I think there's a bit of. A bit of Exeter just being better and, like I said, coming out for the second half with a lot more intent than we did. I mean, the two the two goals they scored, both from crosses, which you don't really think is something that we do that much. But they were getting quite a lot of times when they were in behind us in the first half. Maybe they just spotted something in the second that they should get more and more balls into the box. But it's just it was disappointing. I just think they came up with a lot more intent to win the game and we ended up just playing catch up for a lot of the time.
1: One of the things I heard Tim Oglethorpe say on the radio, this was early in the first half, in fairness. He said that he was seeing Charlie Good doing a lot of overlapping or making a lot of overlapping runs past Nicky Adams, something that we've not really seen happen before. And when I've watched the highlights back today, I noticed that, especially the first couple of chances that Exeter had were essentially because of the fact that we seemed to be quite out of shape. Charlie Good was further up the pitch than you would maybe expect him to be. And a couple of times I was just seeing Alan McCormack just running back, almost, uh, I, t- I don't know, just str- struggling almost to get back to cover him. I, I don't know whether that's mm. maybe played a part in it.
2: Mm. He was comparing him to Sheffield United, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> On the radio, which was pushing it a little bit. Um, I think, um, It might be something, because we have seen Charlie go forward quite a lot. He makes bursts during games, but he doesn't necessarily do it consistently. It's more like the occasional burst where you're just kind of thinking, go on, go on, and he keeps on going. And McCormack fills in. Maybe it was more of a game plan for him to do it more regularly, and McCormack just wasn't up to speed on, on that. I don't know, but to me, it's good to see us taking the game to a team like that, especially a team that are near the top of the league and battling promotion I think it's good to see us wanting to go and attack them and, and do that but at the same time it's, it's, you do want to have a little bit more discipline about it and know, actually people to know their jobs without actually seeing the game it's hard to tell but I mean I enjoy good Charlie marauding up the pitch um, <laughs> I wonder what you <laughs> were saying You
1: enjoy a good bit of chat? I'll <laughs> 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 oh, see you.
2: <ya. laughs> we'll Moving that on. We talk about green.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was frustrating, wasn't it, I think? Because when you do watch it back on the highlights, you know, we, we score a good goal um, in that first half. Charlie Good, obviously, you know, mm. he takes it like he's a striker, not a defender. Absolutely fantastic bit of skill to control it in such you know, a great way and, and then smash it, didn't mm. he? It was a brilliant hit. And then to sort of concede the equalizer so easily, it just seems again like we did switch off from that free kick because it, it was a free kick, wasn't it? Jordan Turnbull's basically, I think it's a soft free kick personally. Yes, Jordan's has put his arm on the top of the Exeter player's head, but the way that he went down as if he'd been fully, you know, whacked, I think was mm. a bit OTT to put it lightly, to be honest. He's definitely won that free kick as opposed to have actually brought down for it and I think then that you know we must know that 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 player has a really good left foot and has a good shot on him so why hasn't Sam Hoskins who was the guy that was basically right in front of him as his marker why didn't he show him the on the outside why has he let him come inside but I mean I'm not trying to blame Sam for this at all I think more as a team we didn't close them down well enough for that first goal in particular and then what's happened when extra have come out in the silver? Both teams have obviously come out in the second half. Is that extra have really come out on the front foot? Have obviously been, you know, sort of given a bit of a, a pep talk at, at half time by, uh, I always want to call it, it's Matt Taylor, isn't it? And I keep thinking it's, it's yeah, as as Matt Taylor, yeah. It's, it's the Matt Taylor that used to play for us. It's not, obviously. Um, but he's obviously given them a bit of a pep talk and they've just come out of the blocks firing. And then we concede from a corner. Which I'm not being funny is absolutely dreadful defending, the the way that, that I mean essentially that player just nearly walked straight into the box, doesn't he, unchallenged?
2: Yeah, it's so simple, isn't it? When you've worked, yeah, when you've so hard to get let or to get on terms to get in front, to concede something so simple is really frustrating, <laughs> and not yeah, not really something you associate Keith Carl teams yeah, with.
1: Yeah, I mean that's it. It feels like it was an off day. That's how it felt to me, looking at the highlights, is that we're not normally like that. What's happened here? And I I know that that corner there was a bit of contention. It was originally given as a goal kick, and then the referee changed his mind. But, I mean, you've got to switch on, haven't you? I mean, I'm no footballer, but I watch enough match of the day to to know that that's the number one rule, is that you have to defend what is put in front of you, i.e. play to the whistle.
2: Mm. and it's pretty similar the second goal where you kind of it's two minutes later isn't it there's this well the third goal sorry for Exeter it's, it's just like they've come out and they know have seen a, have seen a, something that's going to hurt us and they're going to go at it again and again and just it's it was just disappointing the way we just conceded two in such quick succession and we've had such a bad history of that recently in the recent history of when we concede one we concede another straight away and it's Reminded me of the Scunthorpe game a little bit, but at least we actually showed a little bit of—I don't want to say arsehole, but we showed we showed right, some. We showed, we showed some. At least showed some cheek to, um, to get back in. Get back into it. Um, you mentioned like the wingers there a little bit, or um, Hoskins and Adams, and they're not natural defenders. Which, which in games like this against a team that are going to attack us and come out at us is going to be difficult. And we've got away with it a little bit against the likes of Crew. Even Grimsby as well, they've spotted something where they're going to get in behind us on the wings. And Adams and Hoskins just aren't naturally defensive-minded people. So if you say about showing them to the wrong foot and stuff, it just might be that they just, they're just they not naturally inclined to do that or just not have the know-how or experience to do True. that. Um, but on the other hand, if we do bring in more defensive players like Joe Martin and the best right back in League 2, Michael Harriman slash Neil, <laughs> um, we're going to take away something from our attack. So it's finding that balance, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, the thing that surprised me, I think, is that Keith Kerr strikes me as the kind of coach who will run those sort of plays continuously during training. And yes, okay, Nicky and, and Sam aren't the most defensive-minded, you know, wingers, but I would just sort of think that you know, when when you've got a player as dangerous as as was it Williams is that his surname? Yeah,
2: Randall Williams. Randall
1: I mean. Williams. Yeah, you you know all about him, and so therefore, surely if he's on that side of the pitch, show him down the line. That you would you just would have thought that's been done time and time again on the training ground in the week or in the few days building up to the game. Uh, that's what maybe surprised me. And as a as a whole, I thought actually it was a really surprising performance considering how we've been over the last few weeks we've looked solid we've looked defensively strong and we've you know we've looked a really good threat on the attack as well whereas this weekend's game we, ju- we just seem to be a bit more like you said we, we fell apart a bit and that's not been the story of, of the last sort of month and a half has it?
2: No and we've been getting the second goal quite quickly as well haven't we mm. um, in the games we've been we've been scoring once but then scoring again pretty soon after and getting that second goal um, and going into half-time, and it was kind of uh, like last week against Notts County, it was pretty much the standard of what we've been doing is to get a couple of goals up. Smith comes on for Oliver on about the hour mark and then we see it out and it's, that was a bit of a copy and paste job. But we just haven't been able to do that on Saturday. And as soon as Exeter were back in the game, he just felt that they were going to edge it.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was certainly sort of back sat at, you know, listening to the radio going, this sounds very much like the last few years. I, I kind of had no faith, really, that we would get back into it. And then, of course, all of a sudden, that optimism and hope was renewed, wasn't it? I mean, wasn't oh, it? I mean I, <laughs> the one question that I've got for you, young Mr. Brothers, is Go did on. you see a certain goal by a certain South Korean in the Premier League on oh, Saturday?
2: Uh, are you talking about Son? I am talking the about Son.
1: The question I've got for you, Danny, mm. which goal was better? Sons or
2: Sam's? <laughs> Sons or Sam's? So this is what happens when, um, when Neil and Chessie go away and there's only two of us. We just make up stupid games to get through the hour. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, <laughs> basically, yeah.
2: <laughs> Sons or Sam's? Um, I bloody love Son, I have to say. Uh, he plays with a smile on his face and he's just got so much enthusiasm for the game. I, I just love watching him as a player and that goal was just amazing. But never bet against Sammy. Just, <laughs> Sam always wins. I'm feeling a lot of our (laughs) listeners
1: just either (laughs) laughing or they've got their head in their hands right now.
2: If they're laughing, there's a first time for everything. That is very true.
1: Um, (laughs) I mean, goals have been coming from all over the pitch this season, haven't they? Mm. Would you rather have it the way that it is at the moment, where everyone, or you know, a a good sort of selection of players, are are, are banging them in, or or would you rather actually, right now, sort of have uh, an Owen Doyle and you know have an eighteen-goal striker on your books?
2: Mm. What what would you prefer? I mean, I love a good 20-goal-a-season striker. um, Not
1: that we've had one for a
2: while. (laughs) No, no, we haven't. But, you know, there's just something about that number nine who just scores all the goals and tidies it up and like a Bale or Scott McLeish or people like that. But I've not really got a problem with the goals being spread around. Um, It takes the pressure off. If if you've got one man scoring all the goals and suddenly gets injured, you're you're buggered. You know, the likes of Owen Doyle for Swindon, you wonder what would happen if he got injured or Bradford called him back, which (laughs) seems such a strange one that <laughs> he's gone to another league two team and they're top of the league and he's got eight or 18 goals yeah, in I think there. so um but yeah you do, you do just think if he suddenly goes off the boil or gets injured goes back or whatever then what do they do like they rely on him so much that it's difficult when they go away so I've got no really problem with the goals being spread around you know, when we've gone up before when you had um uh, the Atkins teams, there's no never really a twenty goal a season striker as such. You know, you got Grayson who scored about twelve, big John Gale who scored about five or six a season, and things like that. Sean Paris chipped in once in a while, as the <laughs> song goes. Um, <laughs> Razor and Samo heading in from corner. So, not. No, I, I don't think one's preferable than the other, but. Ideally, you have both. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that is it, isn't it? Ideally, you do have both, I suppose. Uh, there was an interesting stat. I'm, I'm actually not too sure how true this stat is, because there's been a few people I've noticed on social media over the weekend sort of saying, well, there were some saves made in the game. But according to James Hennigan, there were only five shots on target all game, and every one resulted in a goal. When when do you think the last time that that happened? Because that that's it makes it sound, doesn't it, like actually both keepers were awful, but that that's not true, is it?
2: No, it's, that's. I mean, I'm not going to argue with James Hennigan for a stat, but I've just checked the BBC as well, and it said three shots on the target for Exeter, two for us. But in terms of shots, 15 for Exeter and 11 for us that weren't on target. So, I mean, it could well be true. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one to argue with Hennigan. I know he loves a stat. Um, but, uh, in terms of the last time that happened, it was probably when Shrewsby... Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But, yeah. That was pretty much every one of those shots went
1: in. Oh, <laughs> I mean, David Cornell was back in goal, wasn't he, after... Missing the last two cop games in favor of Steve Arnold. There's been a few rumors, hasn't there, lately linking him with a move away in January to Ipswich, Preston, and Middlesbrough. What do you make of that, Danny?
2: Strange ones, I think. I don't know. It just, it just seems odd that they'd go for a two keeper in the first place, especially for like a first choicer but You wonder what they're getting from it. I mean, I do. I do think Cornell's been above his level of the season we said that a couple of weeks ago but you just wonder where they come from it's it's just it seems really strange to me as if like teams like that are going for Cornell and I don't I'm assuming he wouldn't be their first choice so it was, it was a choice it'll be a choice for Cornell at the time I guess and at this point in his career you wouldn't say probably shouldn't say no to him but potentially he'd go there and sit on the bench and have to fight for his place um and I, I would be disappointed to lose him at this point I think
1: Yeah, I mean he's 28 years old, so he's coming into what is supposedly the prime age for a goalkeeper. Still got a good
2: championships on the horizon. (laughs) Yeah,
1: indeed. Yeah, yeah, he's still, you know, he's he's still got a lot to come from him, really, hasn't he? In in terms of Mm. development. So yeah, you're right. I, I don't necessarily think that he'd be going to a championship club as a first choice. And that would that would lead me if it, if it was you know if it, if you if you Danny were were David Cornell if that was dice Sat where you are then I'd, I'd probably ask him would you be happy to go back to being a number two because he spent so long of his earlier career not just with us but in previous clubs as well being a, a backup keeper but he really wants to go back to doing that. I mean, I, I know money will obviously talk. Um, it's a short career of football, obviously, and everyone's got bills to pay. But, you know, playing time's got to be a factor, hasn't it?
2: You'd think so. But um, you never really know what motivates players to do anything. I mean, the likes of, well, especially Middlesbrough, you'd think would be a huge move for, for him. I can't remember whether he's got a family or not, but that kind of starts to come into play a little bit. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors to it. But if he did go, you wouldn't really think we can stand in his way because he's not going to get that much of a chance to do it. Otherwise, I don't think.
1: No, you are right. He does have to sort of maybe take it uh, with uh, with both hands, hasn't he? If uh, if it comes along um, and who knows what January will bring. Would you be comfortable if he did leave with Steve Arnold?
2: Um, I'm not sure yet. I've not seen enough of him um, in games that matter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, he played in both cup games last week obviously it did matter against Nott's County but it's not really the standard you're going to face every week he did a solid enough job but I've not seen enough of him to think I would rely on him full time to be our number one and get us to finish in the top seven but it's, it's where the Cole trust him enough, isn't it? He this?
1: did make some absolutely cracking saves against Pompey, though, didn't he, in the uh, the leasings.com EFL Champions League trophy?
2: Did he? I haven't seen the highlights on that, but yeah. he. No, there was that one clip, actually, wasn't there, that was shared that he did Sh- make Shilton-esque, I think, one of them. Shilton, the cat. Indeed. Honestly, Steve the cat. There were
1: definitely shades of uh, of, of Peter. Oh, in fact, actually, it might have been. It might even be Gordon Banks that he was showing shades no. of Gordon Banks <laughs> with with a with a very strong wrist um
2: going out there to turn
1: the ball over <laughs> the bar. Action. Yeah, it was uh...
2: shades of Nathan Abbey. <laughs> let's hope not. No, let's hope um, not. Let's definitely. Hope. But the other side of it is the is the finance thing, isn't it as well? Like what in terms of what we would receive for and i assume there'd be fees for it Mm. um what that comes in how do we spend that would we like reinvest in a keeper um we've also got a little bit of the money from the cup which i don't think we probably budgeted for at the start of the season you wouldn't have thought we'd be going setting the budget thinking we're going to go into the third round of the fa cup and we've got some a little bit of cash rolling around with that i think what's that spent on i'm not sure um but you think do we just do we go out and splash the cash in a keeper? I'm not sh- I'm not sure we need to like go all in on a keeper.
1: I think there would be other positions that I would yeah. look to to spend money on. Um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't bring another keeper in, but if you're going to spend money on doing that, I I, I think mm. there are there are other areas that you could you could actually you know probably get a bit more value out of. Yeah, for sure, I think so.
0: I'm Alan Neal and it's all cobblers to me.
1: Right, well, coming up then, we'll talk to a uh, Forrest Green fan and uh, we'll get to our predictions for the coming game. Postman Neil, Postman Neil, Neal. black and white cat. Postbag time then, and I'm positively pleased to say that there's been no major overreaction to our first meaningful defeat in 10 games. Ian Thompson did remind us that the season is a marathon, not a sprint. Thank you, Ian. Um, And Stampy says that we switched off twice, it happens but we go again next week. Oh, no. (laughs) Had to include it, didn't I? I'm sorry, Danny. (laughs) Did he actually
2: say it? No, no, no. Actually, that
1: is his tweet, word for word. Yes. Uh. Oh, dear. (laughs) This week's question, however, comes from Jonathan Hillier, who asks, goalkeeper rotation, a good thing or a bad thing? What do you reckon, Danny?
2: Hmm. I assume he means one in one week, one in the next week, rather than rolling them around in a giant hamster ball.
1: I I, I presume so, yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I can answer both questions. Oh, well, uh, let's get the hamster wheel one first then. Uh, Good thing. Absolutely. Every time, every time a good thing, for sure. You know, never a bad thing with that. Um, In terms of football rotation, which he probably is talking about, I, I would say probably a bad thing for where we are. I don't, I'd like to see Cornell start in the FA Cup, particularly. I mean, what a, what a good thing it is that we've actually got that to talk about for once, but <laughs> that we've actually got a chance to rotate. I, w- I definitely wouldn't like to see goalkeeper rotation in, in the league. I think it's probably good that Arnold got his chance in the cup, in the um, EFL Champions League in the first two rounds of the cup, fair enough. But I think when it gets to the third round of the cup and the league, I, I do think for like communication and, and all that kind of thing, we need to keep the same people. We need to keep Cornell in, basically. Yeah. I think we just... just Yeah, I
1: I was quite... If we go back to the start of the season, I was quite surprised, actually, when uh, Steve Arnold made his debut against uh, Port Vale because I I didn't really think that that David Mm. Cornell had done anything wrong the previous week. I know we'd lost, hadn't we, against Walsall, but I didn't really feel like he'd done anything to deserve to be dropped. Yeah, Mm. and you did wonder at that point, right, had... Arnold not got injured in that match, would it have been a case of, you know, proper goalkeeper rotation employed by by Keith Curl? I mean, I do, I do get the whole competition for places thing. Um, you know, if you've got, especially when you have got two fairly strong goalkeepers, as we seem to, then why not make sure that one of them is aware that, you know, there's somebody behind him really fighting for that number one jersey. But I'm not mm-hmm. too sure that actually, you know... <laughs> one week it being one player and the next being, you know, a different one necessarily helps the, the team as a whole.
2: No, no. The thing we do miss out on as well is the reserve games not taking, not happening anymore. Like there used to be a reserve league, didn't they? That every, like every Tuesday night they'd have a reserve game and there'd be like a mini little league that.
1: You I know, kind they, of miss those days.
2: Yeah, uh, they were good, <laughs> good. Good fun those nights sometimes. Yeah. Like they had um, like Arsenal reserves come once, didn't we? Yeah. So you get like some of the uh, top players, like they're coming back from injury or whatever, um, come and play. Um, But you haven't got that anymore, and there's less of a chance for Carl to take a look at the other team, other members of the team, of the squad and stuff. It has to be like behind the closed doors, friendly, and all this kind of thing. So that is tough, but yeah, I I do think we just stick with. Don't especially when we're doing reasonably well. There's no point in changing it. Really, Um, the start of the season. A lot of the things he was doing was a bit experimental, thing. I think. I feel like he didn't really get enough out of preseason as he wanted to, Cole. Because mm. um, the start of the season just felt a lot like different formations, different players, played full-backs, didn't play full-backs. Mm. And then we, we seem to have got finally got a formation that we can settle on. So I don't think anything that rocks that should be introduced at the moment.
1: Fair enough. Uh, there was a question last week as well, Danny, which I I happily answered for all of them. Did
2: you? <laughs> um,
1: I don't know whether you listened to it, but um, the question was, I think, from Carl Scott, who asked, uh, "Best goal that you'd seen scored by a defender?"
2: Oh, I did hear that. So, so I was, um, I was just ready for you to say, you know, the obvious one thinking uh, John Frayne was just going to come out of your mouth. But then, <laughs> then I was like, oh, yeah, of course, it's Samo," um, Just because, it's, I mean, it's technically not the best goal, but for what it meant and for what it was. And you can argue that Franes was edging it, I think, personally, just because of the moment itself. But you can't really argue against the goal against Posh, can no, you? No, well, that's um, it, yeah. Not sure if Duncan Spedding ever took one in the top corner, but... If he did. Actually, did he do he want to score a free kick? Uh, Actually it's better. Maybe. I'm sure he scored like a thirty yard free kick once. Didn't care about so him, let's, though, did let's, it, <laughs> let did put he? Let's put him in the list just to just to, <laughs> just to him.
1: put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um if you have a question for us to debate on It's All Cobblers To Me, you can send an email to it'sallcobblers at gmail.com or drop us a message on Twitter or the Facebook, where you'll find us by searching at cobblers to me. I'm Chris Hargreaves and it's all cobblers to me. This week it's back to Sixfields so with the visit of Forest Green Rovers. Coming up we'll give our predictions on the game and find out where the heck Forest Green actually is. But first let's hear from a fan. Welcome to it's all cobblers to me Laurie. How are you doing today? You alright? right? I'm
0: oh, not too bad thank you. Thanks for having me
1: on. You're very welcome. So Forest Green Rovers fan, uh, obvious question. Are you a vegan?
0: I'm not, now, and I don't think I ever will be
1: either. <laughs> Is it not something that you're interested in at all, following your club to that extreme? Uh,
0: not something that I'm particularly bothered about, but, uh, yeah, I think I'll just be leaving it.
1: So, it's been about a year, almost, since we last faced each other. Um, you came away with a 2-1 win at the new lawn back in, well, it was New Year's Day, I think, last year. Yeah, yeah. So, what what's changed in this last sort of 11 or so months?
0: Well, obviously, um, we narrowly missed out on promotion last season with that loss in the playoffs to Tramia. Obviously, picked up red cards in both games, which kind of hindered our chances of going up. Personnel has changed quite a lot. We've uh, not got Doidge anymore. We lost our most creative outlet in Brees Brown in the summer. So we've had, you know, a bit of a reshuffle, which was to be expected. But we've still got players who were there last season, Liam Shepherd, Joseph Mills, Van Rawson. But we've also got a couple of, you know, really exciting additions. We've got Jack Atchison on loan from Celtic, who's been absolutely tremendous. And Ebu Adams in the middle, who's been one of the best players in League 2 this season. He's been absolutely dynamite in the middle. You know, we're, we're, we're still a good a good team. Um, I, I expect a, a really good game on Saturday.
1: So, what were your expectations at the start of this season then, Laurie? Were you looking to go one step further and get promotion?
0: Well, it was an interesting one because obviously we lost Doidge and Brown and there was a bit of negativity around the fan base thinking, you know, maybe just take a a, a mid-table season this year just because we lost key personnel. But I, I was still, you know, pretty hopeful that we could get in the top seven. And obviously we find ourselves in third at the minute, which, you know, definitely take come the end of April. But... I think if you offered me playoffs at the minute, I'd take it. It's so tight up there. And you know teams like um, Plymouth and Bradford are really going to come on strong in the second half of the season. It'll just be interesting to see whether we've got the squad and whether we've got the experience, because it's a very youthful squad at the moment, uh, to see whether we can get over the line.
1: How have you been going in the last six weeks or so? Has it been decent football to watch and decent results to go with it?
0: Well, there's a massive contrast when we play at home and when we play away. Our away record is the best in the league, along with Swindon. And our home record, to be honest, isn't too bad, but we don't perform at home. I think we have blanked in our last three home games. We scored eight goals at home all season, and three of them are in one game against Crawley. So I'm very glad that this game coming up is away from home. If it if it was at the new lawn, then you know I, I would fancy Northampton to to come away with three points. But away from home, we're sort of a lot more open. We play on the counter a
1: bit more, and just sort of play with a lot more freedom and less pressure. I think a lot of teams probably say the same about, or a lot of fans say the same about their teams when they go away from home. There's there's that less pressure on on the team. There's a bit more openness, and mainly due to the fact that the home team are expected to attack, aren't they? So yeah. that leaves yeah. a lot more sort of open space for you to exploit.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it, it is frustrating for us at the new lawn. Teams do come in, and either like the press is really high, and sometimes we struggle to play through the press. But most of them just sort of camp in and make it really difficult for us. And obviously, we had to let go of Reese Brown in the summer and we perhaps missed that creative outlet. You can just find a pass to cut open the defence. So, yeah, you know, away from home with our pace on the counter and with our wits from the wing-backs, we do look a lot better out it.
1: Yeah, so what what sort of style of play should we be expecting from you then this season?
0: Well, we've changed it up a little bit in recent weeks. We started off the season playing 3-4-3 sort of three, three with, with wing-backs. We've sort of changed to a four at the back in recent weeks, playing a bit of a sort of four, two, three, one. But one thing we'll do is we'll play through our centre midfielder, Ebu Adams, as much as we can. He's the most powerful player in the league. A lot of opposition fans, you know, like to call him a diver, but I just think he's he's very clever in what he does and wins a lot of fouls. But you know, we'll look to play wide as well and get Joseph Mills miss the game on Saturday, but hopefully he'll he'll be fully fit. So we like to get the ball wide to, to Mills and Shepherd and sort of work the ball into the box and create some chances for Matty Stevens and Jack turn up top.
1: You are quite fancy a former Northampton goalkeeper. You had Lewis Ward on loan straight after he left us. And and now you've got Adam Smith, who was our goalkeeper when we won League Two last time around. How's Smudge have been for you this season?
0: Uh, we've seen absolutely nothing of him, to be honest. Um, came in in the summer, and we fully expected him to be our, our number one, obviously. You know, he'd been with you at Northampton, he'd been at the Bristol Rovers and we expected him to come in. He played a lot in pre-season, but on the first game of the season Lewis Thomas started in goal for us. And then in the Cup, Jojo Willacott, who we signed on loan from Bristol City, came in and we, Adam Smith's, I think, played in a 6-0 defeat away at Warsaw in the checker trade, but apart from that, he hasn't featured at all. I think the head of recruitment, Richard Hughes, was asked about this at a fans' forum, saying why isn't Smith in playing and he simply said that he's struggled to adapt to our style, playing up in the back, I mean, whether that's entirely true or whether something's gone on behind the scenes, I don't know. But um, yeah, you mentioned Lewis Ward there, he was a, a very good keeper for us last year and it would have been nice to get him on a permanent basis, but in the end,
1: he went to Exeter and had quite a bad injury there, unfortunately. Yeah, he has and we do wish him all the best. Another connection between the two clubs is, is your manager, Mark Cooper. He used to play for us back in the day, now managing at the New Lawn. I, I've got to ask you about the allegations that Leighton Orient head coach made a few weeks back against Mark Cooper. What, what did you make of it? Do, do you think that it was all just taken out of proportion or do you think there might have been something in it?
0: Well, I guess the thing is, we, we will never know. Um, I said at the time the only way that it was ever going to sort of be proven if, if Cooper did indeed say it was if there was video evidence or anything like that. You know, Cooper's always sort of prided himself on being a bit of a bit of a wind up merchant. He likes playing up to the opposition crowd. But obviously, if he did say anything like that, it w- would have been completely unacceptable. But um, obviously, the FA have confirmed confirmed last week that they wouldn't be investigating. So, you know, it's, it's nice to sort of have that put behind us. And obviously, hopefully, he didn't say it at all.
1: You mentioned before, you've lost a couple of key players from last season's squad, but but you have made some decent signings over the summer. Are there any players that we should be really looking out for this Saturday?
0: You know, I've mentioned Devo Adams a couple of times, and with good reason as well. He's You have to watch him to sort of understand how good he's been. He just sort of controls every single midfield. He was brilliant at Leighton Orient a couple of weeks ago. Chipped him with a couple of goals. He's the complete midfielder. Another player who's been good for us has been Liam Kitchen. He's our sort of left sided centre half, we signed from Leeds in the summer. A really classy ball playing centre half, loves to get the ball forward. And um obviously I mentioned Jack Hison as well, who often sort of plays in the number ten. Signed him on loan from Celtic, which was a real coup for us to get him on deadline day. Yeah, just likes to get in sort of pockets of space and I think he's chipped in with four goals and three assists so far this season, so a pretty decent return.
1: So what are you kind of thinking about this upcoming game then against the Cobblers?
0: Well, I think Northampton last season were probably the best team we played over two games. Obviously, there was there was the game at your place in October where we lost our unbeaten record, but I thought it was a pretty good game of football. And then there was the one on New Year's Day where obviously we scored in stoppage time to, to get our own revenge. I think it helps for us that this game's away. If, as I said, if it was at home, I probably wouldn't fancy that, but I'd expect to... An open game, obviously. Northampton lost extra at the weekend, but prior to that, were on a really good run of form, finding themselves in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think probably a score draw would be my prediction at the minute. But um, yeah, I'd expect a really watchable game of football. I think.
1: What do you actually think about Northampton as a, as a football club?
0: I think uh, you know a relatively big club for the league. Obviously, not as not as sizeable as Plymouth or Bradford, as you mentioned, but certainly a club that should be competing towards the top end of this league. You know, you look at the, the signings made in the summer with like bringing in Nicky Adams and Alan McCormack, some really good players, real statement of intent. So obviously there's, there's ambition there to, to get promoted to League 1, as you did a few seasons ago. But yeah, I think a, a decent sized club for the level, but not quite to the extent there's some clubs that are probably going to find themselves up there towards the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably quite a fair assessment to be honest of us, Laurie. Um, So just to finish off then, let's get an actual score prediction and and if you're going for a score draw, who who do you think are going to get the goals?
0: Uh, I think I will go for a 2-2 draw. Yeah, as I said, I'm expecting a pretty entertaining game. I think for us, um, we're hoping that Elliot Freer, our our winger, will be back for this game so I'll go for him to score along with Jack Aitchison as well.
1: That was Forest Green fan Laurie Martin. Laurie is one half of the Forest Green Rovers podcast, the pod on top of the hill. We'll put a link to their pod in our show notes and on our website, but their episode this week will include their own preview on our game. So do go and check them out. So let's have a look at previous games where the cobblers have faced Forest Green. There's plenty of them to digest, isn't there, Danny? (laughs)
2: There's
1: what, five? Three. Three. Three Three. games against Forest Green in our history. Um, Yeah, firstly in 2010's FA Cup and then twice last year in League Two, of course, where both of the home teams recorded a 2-1 win. Before we talk about this week's game, though, it's over to Danny to tell us more about them.
2: Mm. Obviously, Forest Green famously play in the Lake District. Well-known fact. (laughs) (laughs) As an aside, though, I do obviously love their bamboo kit and all that kind of thing. Have you seen their new shin pads, Danny? Have they got bamboo shin pads now as well? Bamboo shin pads. Not even joking. That's just new levels. I love that. Especially this week, where we'll be um, obviously voting green, everyone. But anyway, yeah, they're they're doing something a bit different and and unheard of in football, and I'm all for it. But that's not really very funny. So um, (laughs) (laughs) they do... Actually, playing Nailsworth, don't they? So I still few... don't know
1: where that is. I'll be honest with you; I, I've in, got uh, no idea where Gloucestershire is whatsoever.
2: Gloucestershire, because oh. they call the game against the Cheltenham El Glossico. I think they call it
1: El Glossico. Yeah,
2: really? Yeah, apparently okay. so. That's what I hear. Don't
1: we we don't have any stupid nicknames for for when we play posh, do we?
2: Um, I know.
1: I know some people say it's the Nen Derby.
2: It's just called the EFL Trophies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, fair enough.
2: Um, uh, What's going on in Nailsworth? Not a lot, honestly. It's a pretty small place. Ruskin Mill you can visit if you wanted to. That uh, trains young people from all parts of the country, which I'm probably going to question, but... uh, (laughs) Wichester Mansion, you can go to, which is an unfinished gothic masterpiece. Not really a masterpiece if it's unfinished, I'd say. Yeah. It's abandoned in 1868 after 16 years of building.
0: Oh,
2: oh. It's never going to be finished, apparently, according to this. Sounds it's like not, a stadium actually. in Qatar It does, yeah, maybe Cardoza's <laughs> built it. <but> <laughs> 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 Carry on. But you can go to, if you are so inclined, you can go to Nailsworth Ladder, which is... <laughs> this is uh, clutching at straws, is, I think. Uh, clutching at... Um,
1: <laughs> Don't. <what's it? laughs>
2: wrongs. Clutching at wrongs. <laughs> uh, it's, Bring uh, back ex- nails. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone.
1: Oh, that disappoints me so much. <laughs>
2: Sorry, Keith. I'm just tr- I find it hard to be negative about them. But um, Nailsworth Ladder, let's move on. It's a really steep hill, apparently. Okay. That's what It that can go to Alpen Manor. It's the Tudor Manor. Oh, it's yeah, not a breakfast,
1: breakfast bar, no? oh No, Alpen
2: <laughs> Manor. This is... <laughs> I assume a lot of owls live there. Oh, Alpen.
1: Uh, oh, I see. Alpen, oh.
2: yeah, as in a pen of owls.
1: Right, got you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I thought you. Were, I thought it was somewhere that people just went and smashed mobbed with fuses, muesli,
2: just cereal bars, <laughs> <laughs> vegan ones, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um, you can go to Coley Park picnic site if you wanted to. Um, not a lot else Uli Longbarrow, Uli Long Barrow, that's a proper West Country Jesse <laughs> would be proud <laughs> Uli Long Barrow, you can go to or the Bulwarks oh nice and Bullocks <laughs>
1: alright calm down <laughs> the,
2: the Minchin Hampton Bullocks <laughs> is a earthwork
1: do you know Danny why um, uh, have you found out for us why, why nails with town are called Forest Green Rovers um
2: no bad research
1: <laughs> terrible <laughs> okay then well uh, and any famous people from uh, Nailsworth
2: no not at all not at all not at all it said I've, I've looked this up and there's like oh, five you've people you've actually done some research um, have you done it I do research everywhere <laughs> <laughs> uh, notable people there's five of them on the Wikipedia site for Nailsworth never heard of any of them Mary Deverall
1: nope carry on next no. one
2: Joseph Edkins next W. H. Davis, uh, next Michael Bichard.
1: Funny, but next
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Pete Reed. You not know that one. Oh right. Oh, oh I was, was going to say. <laughs> it, milit- it, I do <laughs> know that one. Not but it's not Ridge. that one, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one last one, Pele. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Okay. Uh, Nailsworth. Um, uh, fun, fun old place. Maybe
1: that. Maybe that should be next year's. You know, next year's apprentice did you see the episode this year where they had to sort of do a marketing campaign for Finland? Maybe this year they should do it for Nailsworth.
2: Yeah. I think if they do that, I should apply and I'll just be their ambassador.
1: (laughs) Danny Brothers, ambassador (laughs) for bamboo and Nailsworth.
2: But no, disappointing lack of um, folk festivals and things Hmm. like that. Need to do better, don't they? They
1: do. I think. Yes. Um,
2: I'm going to tell them that on Saturday.
1: Also, I'm disappointed that there were no vegan statistics in any of those Facts and
2: figures. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow, there we go. It's just the uh, uh, obviously only the football team that want to preserve the world.
1: Save the world, yeah. I yeah. Hope, well, we'll struggle Vote to green.
2: forget last year's home fixture
1: against Forest Green Rovers. It was the last moment of the game when Kevin Van Veen took control of the ball and crossed Randy Williams to tap in for the victory. Can you see this weekend's fixture being just as exciting, do you think, Danny?
2: Of course it will be, yeah. To be fair, that game was pretty dull last year until those last I mean, it was, until that last, I mean, mean, just, that was that game where we'd just been on a horrible run and we'd just been losing and playing awfully so many times. And it was just a release of that. There was a pitch invasion, wasn't there? Well,
1: there was, yeah, you're right.
2: It was incredible. That was the one with the chair, wasn't it? It was (laughs) the one with the chair, yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Was Dean Austin still in charge? Were Keith Carroll taken over by then?
2: I think he was just, wasn't he? I, I don't know. Um, you're making we... me down. I mean it was so memorable that <laughs> I mean I just I just I don't know I, I I've got this this thing it of was... no I think Keith Carr wasn't charged actually. Oh,
1: yeah. you see I, for some reason I've got it in my head that it could it must have been a Dean Austin era thing because it was fun. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to Keith, it's not that the rain hasn't been fun, it's just that that, that sort of first part of last season when Keith took over, it, it was very much just back to basics, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a bit hit and miss, but yeah, I think it was just after he took over. Yeah, Adam Smith in the uh, five-screen goal.
1: I was going to say a from Grace, but I suppose just back in League Two.
2: Uh, above us as well, not they?
1: <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs> so,
2: who else have they got in their team? Neil might like this one. Um, Edoka Godwin-Malif.
1: Amazing name. What position does he play?
2: He plays in the defence. Good. good for Dale Grubb. Probably making the most of the vegan food one-offer. George Williams is a dangerous one, isn't
1: he? Yeah, definitely. And he, you're right, he probably will score.
2: There's a lot of um, regulation names here actually. Really? Yeah. James Morton, Kyle Taylor, Aaron Collins, Taylor Allen, Matthew Stevens. It's not it's it's a bit run at the mill. I'm not too <laughs> happy with it. They need to sign <laughs> some more fun fun names players. Fun
1: names, please forest green in your January Transfer window challenge. Oh, there's no Perry N G, is it? Yeah, well, you're very on. right. It's definitely Get him Perry N G. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm I'm enjoying these uh uh, the, these these names and and the way that we're going with Forest Green for this year, I, I'm a bit worried about this game.
2: Are you? Are you concerned? A
1: little bit, mm. in the sense that we've now lost two on the bounce.
2: Yeah, but uh, Tuesday doesn't really count, does it? Or Wednesday was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday doesn't really count, does it?
1: Well, um, uh, yeah, yes and no. You see, I'm I'm a great believer of of momentum, and I just Ooh. think even though that the squad was completely now now. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's that week. (laughs) Not that kind of momentum. Um, No, I'm I'm a big fan of, you know, even though we changed, you know, there were like eight changes to that team that faced Portsmouth on Tuesday night. I still think had we won that game against Portsmouth, then actually we'd have been maybe gone into that extra game with even more of a bounce.
2: A bounce because we'd Um, be on the way to Wembley.
1: Exactly, you know. But now we're, as a squad, as a team, as a club, where we've lost two on the bounce and we all know that Keith Curl's teams like to go on little runs, don't they? Whether it's winning or losing or drawing, as we did a lot of last season as well. So that does worry me a little bit. I'm glad it's at home because it gives us more of a chance if it had been away, which actually for some reason I'd had it in my head that it was an away game for all of pretty much of last week. I don't know why, but had it been away from home, I'd have been even more worried. So uh, there's just something there from, I don't know, my gut feeling says be worried.
2: Mm. And they've lost lost at the weekend, didn't they?
1: They did, yeah. Yeah. To 10-man Scunthorpe as well.
2: 10-man Scunthorpe, you don't want to be doing that. Um, I feel like they're a l- not completely but a little bit on the wane from where they were um, and they're one of these teams that are not going to blow away the league and they're going to be in and around the top seven, top ten um, and I think in the home game, so we need to be going out and setting our stall out and beating them and you've got to take points off this kind of team and I think in the past we haven't really done that and until we got to the crew game and now we're in and around it now we're seventh now this is really really important that we go and take three points from this game I think um, and I think it will it will tell a lot about how we've responded to it. The extra game will tell us a lot about how we're going to go for the next couple of months, because we did say a few weeks ago that we shouldn't. Like when we do eventually get beaten in this run, we need to not react in a like disastrous situation. But if we then go and lose again. What happens, and it's how you bounce back from the first defeat after a long run, isn't it? That that sets the stall out for the rest of the season, especially going into Christmas. You want to be going into it with a bit of a bounce. I think it's the last time game before Christmas. Is it?
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So we do want to just come back out, get back on, get back, get a win back on the board, and and I don't want to say it, the Rob Page phrase, but just just keep it going. We can either you can either go like proper gung home and forget about tactics or. <laughs> Yeah, set us back into into where we were before the extra game. Yeah, set us back into into the tactics and um, yeah, just to shoot, go two 0 up again and get a big Smith on to defend it. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot more in favour, a lot more in favour of the tactical vote, me Charles.
1: <laughs> well, let's go to some predictions then. Now, I've already got Chessy's predictions. I'm I'm presuming, I'm presuming you got Neil's, Danny.
2: Yeah, I've got it. He's literally just texted in just this minute. Good. You'll be surprised to know. I thought so.
1: Chessie um, has a message to say that she thinks that we're going to end up getting a win. She's gone for 2-1. Uh, and she's gone for goals from Andy Williams, who's, uh, well, he, he should be getting back into scoring way sooner or later, I would say. And she's also gone for a, another goal from your favourite player.
2: Samuel Tobias. Samuel Tobias Hoskins, indeed. STH. He's got quite a few goals now this season, old Sammy. He has. Yeah, you're right. He's slowly racking him up. Do you know he? why that is? You could be in put any pressure on him to get a certain <laughs> amount of goals by the end of the <laughs> you? I really don't think he was feeling that pressure last <laughs> <actually>. year. <laughs> what was Neil's prediction? Uh, so he's gone for a 7-2 defeat, Charles. Made me a bit concerned. He's not happy with Forest Green, um, as we've heard before. Mm. And I think he's really concerned about it. He says... Let me just read the text here. He says, "Forest Green will be fitter because of their vegan diet. They're going to be properly on it because um, the Green Party will have just got into power. Um, (laughs) You've got some very wishful thinking, haven't you there? (laughs) (laughs) And that they're going to take a 7-0 lead and we're going to hit back with two goals from young Sammy Hoskins, but it's just not going to be enough. And uh, Keith Cole's going to introduce a vegan diet to uh, Sixfields.
1: Oh, I hope not. It's
2: bold, bold. Say.
1: Yeah, bold prediction. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to go for a draw. I think it's mm. going to be one all, and I think Harry Smith will score. Ooh. Yeah, I think I think it'll be one of those games where it's quite a cagey affair, and we'll probably get to around that sort of 60th minute mark when Kiko likes to make his changes up front. He'll bring Smith on, and it'll just be the you know the extra foot in height that will just uh, do something for us at a corner or a free kick, and it'll be Smith heading mm-hmm. it into the back of the net. Um, but then uh, I, I think that will see us equalise rather than go ahead in the game. Mm. So, yeah, one all draw for me.
2: Danny, you're the last one standing. I think we're going to sneak it
1: 1-0.
2: Similar kind of lines to you. I think we're going to score mm. quite late. Not sure about the pitch invasion this year, but um, or the chair <laughs> being held up from the West Stand, But I think if we do score, then we should all go down to the front of the West stand and just throw chairs in the, in, in the air as a tradition. Traditional celebration. <laughs> Traditional chair throwing <laughs> celebration. Like
1: anyone from the club's listening and they, and they remove all white <laughs> chairs from the front of the West stand. <laughs> <laughs> going to be gutted. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, who's going to score? Cheeky Chris Lines. Oh, Cheeky Chris Lines. Cheeky Chris Lines. A little dink, I'm going to say. He's going under the radar a little bit, actually, Chris Lines, because of the animal and Sammy Hoskins scoring wonder goals. But he's been pretty solid from what I've seen. Um, and I think he's going to cap it with a little dink. I'm, I'm salivating at the prospect. It's Philippe Albert-esque, if you remember that one.
1: Crikey. Well, <laughs> before we go back any further into the 1990s, that's it for this week's It's All Cobblers to Me. Thanks for listening. You can find more stuff over on cobblers2me.com, including our new weekly blog. Last week's effort from Danny on two cups is well worth the read. We'll be back next week, but for now, from Danny and myself, all we've really got to say is make sure you do go out and vote,
2: and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Go well soon, Chessie. Miss you, Neil. Get back next week.
1: To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.